0: Hello there, and welcome to From Gate to Z, a podcast that definitely proves that parents are still fun people.
1: Honestly, we are, I promise. Well, Stu is anyway.
0: Mm, sometimes, especially not this morning at 6.30 when I had a child <laughs> jumping on my head. But yes, I am Stu Oakley. Hello, one of your completely unglamorous co-hosts. And Lottie has definitely missold me there, especially as aside from 6.30 jumping on the head for the last few months, I'm not entirely sure fun is where I'm at right now
1: and I am Lottie Jeffs I'm your other host and I am Stu Oakley's official hype man and yes this is a podcast by queer parents for queer parents or people considering having kids but it's also about all the other things we enjoy beyond this
0: yes trust me there is life beyond your children but I don't know how you feel, Lottie. Half term is just around the corner. Oh my God, it's next week. And I'm feeling a little bit anxious about it.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. I feel like all other parents were always really like well-planned and like have their kids in all of these clubs and stuff. But it's so expensive to put your kid into like holiday clubs every holiday. It just can't.
0: It's so worth it though. <laughs> <laughs> it's so worth it and I I they enjoy it they do enjoy it because it's not like school they go and have fun and you know actually what my kids love most about holiday club is because the whole school comes together so their whole primary school so like my littlest who's three is playing with, like, the 10-year-olds and the 11-year-olds. And it's really cute. Like, the other day we were walking down the road and one of them was like, hi, and said his name. And was like, hello. And, like, they gave each other a high five. And it was, Oh, like, that is really so cute. sweet. He's got, like, these, like, older friends. But we're actually going to escape next week. We're actually going away. Are you? We are too. Where are you going? We are going to Suffolk, which I've never been to before because John my gorgeous husband, because his parents live up in Norfolk now. We always just like skip over Suffolk. So we've never actually been to Suffolk. So I'm looking forward to escaping fish and chips by the sea and I need to get out of this house. This house is suffocating me. I need to leave. <laughs> I can't believe
1: after watching Knock at the Cabin Door, you're actually considering renting a, a <laughs> cabin somewhere with your husband and children. I mean, what if the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse arrives to you and you're forced to make an <laughs> impossible decision to save the world?
0: Well, this is true, but luckily we're in more of a nice kind of Airbnb house
1: it can still happen, you never oh, know. Oh, don't! Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> sorry, I'm trying sorry, to sorry. enjoy my I'm breakaway it. lot, and you're um, just making it... Oh, God, now uh, I'm going to be like... You'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Jenny and I and our daughter are actually going to Birch, which is a really nice kind of country house retreaty place, but it's a bit bohemian and laid back, and... There's always loads of kids there, and the kids all play with each other. And there's like forest school and fun stuff for kids to do. But there's also a gym and nice things for grown ups to do and nice restaurants and stuff. So we are going to go and spend half term there, which is really nice. And actually, it's got a special place in our hearts, hasn't it, Stubert? It because
0: has. It It's has. where we
1: worked on our book together and had a little oh, writer's our retreat. Our book?
0: <gasps> our book, did the you book. say? Have we, we not have mentioned it for a while? You have a book coming out? We do. It's called The Queer Parent, May 11th, 2023 in all good bookshops.
1: Please buy it uh, wherever you get your books, wherever you like to buy your books,
0: and for all your friends and family as well. Just
1: buy it for everyone. Just bulk buy.
0: Yeah. Also go to some nice queer bookshops to go buy. Definitely. It as Gaze well, the word. That would be nice. Um, yes. All of
1: those. All of
0: those yeah. places. So this is a bit of a different one for us today, Lottie. Because guess what? We have a little bit of a sponsor
1: Ooh, mm-hmm. coming up in the
0: world, are not we? I know but it's a really interesting sponsor because it is Gaia and we're going to be focusing IVF mm-hmm. something that i don't know huge about, about although i have learned an awful lot from you lot but obviously it's something that you've been through fairly recently as well
1: yeah it is um and also Stu you will have learned a lot from reading the chapter in our book about IVF where i um talk a lot about my own personal experience of it and The difficulties, really, I guess. I'd like to say the highs and lows, but I'm not sure there were many. A huge number of highs. (laughs) So, yeah, I did have my own experience of IVF. And I do wish I'd heard about Gaia, which, listener, you will learn more about in the course of this episode. Because it's a kind of insurance for IVF treatment where if you qualify, you can have a lot of the costs dealt with for you and also if it doesn't work which is the real stinger if it doesn't work and you have paid so much money like I can't even begin to think about the amount of money I paid on this experience which just did not result in a child, oh. it just resulted in a lot of trips to a clinic. You could have spent that on bulk buying the book. I, I we would be like top of the New York Times bestseller uh, yeah. list if I had spent the amount of money on buying the book that I spent on IVF. But you know, I had to try and I had to see it through. And of it's course. funny because, and I talk about this in the book. I did IUI first, which feels like a lot less of a commitment because it's like, oh, just buy some sperm and like you just pop to the clinic and they put the sperm in the catheter and. You know, then you just wait two weeks and you see if it's worked. And then I always went into that thinking, I'm never going to do IVF. IVF is just like way too medical and complicated, and I'm just not going to do it. But of course, I did three rounds of IUI and became quite committed to the process. And then thought, oh, I'll just try. It. I'll just try one round. And then, of course, I tried one round and it didn't work. And then I was more and more tied into the process. So I thought I'd try two rounds, and that didn't work. And then on the third round, um, I had a positive pregnancy test, um, which was an amazing feeling. And I told everyone straight away and sent pictures of it and was like, oh my god, it's worked! Lo and behold, twenty four hours later. After a blood test, I get a phone call from the clinic and we are actually on a train to um York at the time, beautiful York if you've not, never been really really beautiful place. and I'd got on the train thinking I was pregnant so bit you know Jenny was like, oh, I'll carry the bags and you know feeling really like looking after myself and I was really special. and then while I was on the train, got this phone call from the clinic saying they'd done this blood test and that basically it. I wasn't pregnant, and it was like a chemical pregnancy that lasted like twenty four hours, and um, mm. that the blood test showed that all the hormones had like completely dropped, and I definitely wasn't pregnant. So <laughs> I got off the train, not pregnant, um,
0: oh, Lord. and
1: then sort of spent a very strange weekend in York, kind of feeling yeah, I bet. a really strange kind of grief actually, because it's like
0: mm.
1: it's a weird one because you didn't have something. And then you go through this experience and then at the end of it, you still don't have something. So it's not like you've actually lost something you ever had. I suppose I spent 24 hours thinking it had worked. So it wasn't the equivalent of like a miscarriage or or a certain number of weeks where you've really kind of bonded with the idea. But it's still its own kind of grief. And it is strange. Of course it is. And I did feel... I did feel really low and that's strange for me because I'm Mm. a really upbeat person and I don't suffer from depression or anxiety or any of those things thankfully and I'm always just okay and I felt really not okay for those couple of days in York and um
0: it's a shame because it's kind of ruined the city for me. I oh, know I was going to say i It's so <laughs> triggered. And did Jen make you carry your bags off the train? Yes, she did. She was <laughs> like, "Right." No, she didn't. She was
1: so lovely, so so lovely and kind to me. And I, it, bet I think she was. it it was a strange position to be in for her because mm. she did IUI and it worked first time.
0: First time, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: so there was an element I suppose for her of feeling like guilty maybe or if not guilty then just hyper aware of the difference in our experiences but I do feel that it gives me an amazing insight into those two different experiences like to have actually become a parent and to experience what it's like for it to work and also simultaneously to have experienced what it's like for it to not work I think that's what not to bring it back to the book again but (laughs) I think that's what makes my contribution to the book quite interesting yeah. that I can explore those those two topics um and I
0: be- and I bet you'd wish you had used Gaia like oh my I god bet it w- like if I'd known used Gaia about it and- I
1: would have saved so much money and it would have just taken the sting out of the fact that it hadn't worked and I was then you know in a huge amount of debt paying for something that just mm. hadn't worked which is just so annoying so let's get
0: into it because neither of us really understand it no and I find it fascinating because obviously it's not my world at all mm-hmm. um, so should we uh, should we get Lucy in and Katie in Georgia to say hello
1: first up we have Lucy who is Gaia's head of experience and she's gonna tell us how Gaia can help people trying to conceive Then we're going to meet Katie and Georgia, who are a lesbian couple and they're the first to have a baby after using Gaia.
0: Hi, Lucy. Welcome. Hi, Stu. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So, first of all, tell us, especially me being like the ignorant gay man that's never had to use IVF or donor conception or anything like that. How does all this work? How does Gaia work?
2: It's a great question and one we get very often from people who find us online or hear about us through friends. uh, We are the world's first IVF insurance. It can be confusing to wrap your head around, but essentially how our plans work is that our members will pay a premium to ensure their personalized number of rounds of IVF insurance. And what I mean by that is we use a predictive model based on over a million past IVF treatment cycle data given to us by the NHS and the HFEA. And we predict how many rounds of IVF our members will need. A maximum, that goes a maximum of six rounds of IVF. Our members will pay a premium to start any round of IVF it could be a fresh cycle of IVF, or it can even be a frozen embryo transfer, if any of our members have previously frozen embryos. And we will cover their full cost of treatment, including their medication and all essential procedures. If and when our members do have a child, they will pay back the cost of their IVF, and they can do so in monthly installments for up to five years.
1: Wow that is so good I've just got to chip in there to say (laughs) like that is oh having been as I've talked about in this episode before you joined DC like having gone through all of this like that for me would have just made such a difference if we could have used the service
2: but sorry carry on carry on. No no it is a uh, I mean I personally think it's a, a very good solution because right now out there, there isn't a solution that works like that. You either Mm. pay the full cost of your IVF up front to your clinic, or you can pay for multi-cycle packages where you're paying even more than one uh, round of treatment. You'll be paying for two cycles or three cycles. And depending on the multi-cycle program, you may have some sort of refund. Some don't even have a refund at all. But how we work is that If you do not have a child within your covered rounds, then you would not pay anything more than the premiums that you paid to start each round of treatment. Okay. So, essentially, if you do not have a child in the rounds that we predict you might need, you would pay a fraction of the total cost of your IVF. And if you do have a child, you would pay for your treatment in monthly installments. Game changing.
0: Yeah, that feels quite groundbreaking (laughs) in the sense. And also it's that thing of like most things in life, once you say it, it sounds so simple. Like like, that totally makes sense. And it's crazy that it's taken this long to to do that.
2: We were founded by a IVF patient who with his wife went through five rounds of IVF at multiple different clinics. They even traveled abroad for one of their cycles. And Gaia and the Gaia plans really stemmed from his own frustrations uh, with his IVF journey. Firstly, that he and his wife didn't know how many rounds of IVF they may need. And secondly, that he therefore didn't know how much it was going to cost him. And so the Gaia plan and our Gaia insurance really was inspired by his own personal pain points through IVF that he wanted to solve for future patients.
1: Right, and so would you you mentioned that he traveled abroad there with the Gaia plans? Is there any um limitations on where you can get your treatment? and also mm. additional question because all of these questions are now coming to me, and I'm sure listeners <laughs> are having the same questions. Is the cost of sperm and storage of sperm included as part of this?
2: Yes, to both. Uh, we. We ensure our members, Katie and Georgia actually went abroad for their IVF treatment. They went to to Greece. Um, oh, but very we ensure. Nice. Our, Great. nice. <laughs> we I know. That. Make a holiday of it. It <laughs> yeah.
0: could be the next season of the White Lotus. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it out there. <laughs>
2: yes. No, but we we create uh, Gaia plans at any HFEA registered clinic in the UK and select clinics abroad, um, specifically in Europe. And what we mean by select is that we, of course, want to make sure that the clinic that our member wants to go to um, has good quality of care. Uh, But other than that, we do have members who are having treatment in Greece and Spain and Prague, um, even in Germany. So we can design Gaia plans across Europe as well. Okay, and then the sperm question? And then the sperm question. So when we insure our Gaia members, we include all essential procedures to their IVF treatment. And that includes for sperm donor IVF, the actual purchasing of sperm and year of storage. As well as if someone's having egg donor IVF, we would cover the purchasing of those donor eggs and storage as well. We also inc- include the cost of a year of storage of embryos, as well as embryo freezing, because we do know that in some cases you may create more than one embryo in that in that uh, fertilization phase, and we would cover the cost of the storage okay. of those. Of those additional embryos
1: so really people should be going to you first because i think often like the way that you, you as a as a couple or single person might be making your decision you might think oh i'll buy the sperm and then i've got the sperm and then i'll think about whether i'm going to do ivf or iui or y- buying the sperm is kind of one step in the journey but so you'd recommend that you'd actually talk to you first
2: before even embarking on any element there's different ways that, that different members have done it. And some people come to us at the beginning of their journey, and we would cover that cost of sperm. In other cases, we have members who've already purchased sperm. Um, they I can may imagine, have yeah. One vial or two, three, four, up to five vials, we would then reimburse them for that cost, because we do cover it in our insurance. And that means that We could reimburse them, pay them back for that previously purchased sperm, and then again, if they do not have a child within their covered rounds, they would not have to pay for that cost of sperm. If and when they do have a child, and only when they give birth, would you pay back that cost?
1: Okay. Wow. So. I'm listening to all this and I've got to admit, I am thinking, what's the catch? Um, mm. And I'm wondering if if the catch is around sort of criteria for eligibility, because presumably it being a type of insurance, you do have like insurance underwriters and you, you can't just insure anyone and everybody. So can you talk to us a bit about that and how you make sure it doesn't discriminate
2: unfairly? You're exactly right. We do have certain eligibility criteria in order to offer our insurance. We are backed by Lloyds of London insurers, and in order to for them to take on the risk, because how it works is they would actually pay for the IVF treatment of the members who are not successful. They have certain criteria that we need to meet in order to offer our, our Gaia plans to members. Um, firstly, we have to ensure that our Gaia members have an 82% chance of success or higher across the number of rounds that we ensure them for. And what I mean by that is that we ask our members to complete a fertility profile when they apply for a plan and request a quote. And that fertility profile we use to compare to the million other treatment cycle data that we have collected from the NHS. And we compare that data to the past data from IVF cycles. And then we are given a cumulative chance of success for that person across a maximum of six rounds. That means that every round of IVF, your chances of success increases, because it doesn't mean that you have an 82% chance of success on, for example, your sixth round. It means that within six rounds, you have an 82% chance of having a child. We have to make sure that our Gaia members have an 82% chance across one of those rounds. So whether it's three rounds, four, five, six. Um, And that is so that that Lloyd's of London will enable us to offer our plans and have a certain amount of risk that they are they're willing to take. So essentially, if you are really
1: struggling with fertility and if you do have issues or low AMH or another kind of fertility like a thyroid problem or something like
0: that. What's AMH, Law?
1: AMH, sorry, Stu. I don't actually know what it stands for. Does anyone else? It's the kind of hormone <laughs> that gives the, that shows how, what your egg reserve is
2: like, right? Yes, it's anti malarian hormone. And it's basically the only real indicator to assess how many eggs you have. Although it's not directly able to, you know, the, the hormone level doesn't necessarily directly relate to how many eggs one may have, but it is the best indicator of that because every time an egg is released, it releases that hormone. So you can use the the amount of the hormone to give a, a good good indication of how many eggs a person may have.
1: Right. So if that's low, presumably it's going to be harder to qualify for Gaia insurance. Yes. Yeah, so,
2: so people ask, do you have a certain age cutoff or do you have any sort of specific criteria that you need to meet. And in terms of our predictions, no. We don't have a certain age cutoff or an AMH cutoff per se, but we use all of those different data points. So for example, age, AMH, the treatment that you're planning to have, any past IVF round data. So whether you've had IVF before, how many eggs were collected, how many embryos were created, um, how many embryos were transferred, all of that specific data from past Mm. IVF cycles, as well as any diagnosis you may have. And holistically, that data is able to calculate your chances of success.
0: So do you have to do that before or does Gaia help you with that? Like what's the process there?
2: Yeah, so you you would have to have an amh level in order to have the most holistic prediction for people who are just interested in seeing a quote and may not be they may be very early on in the ivf journey or even just exploring all their options they may not have done their amh level testing it's a it's a blood test you have to go to your a fertility clinic or the nhs doctor or gp to get that done we have certain relationships with fertility clinics across London where we offer 20% off fertility assessments. Oh, that's so good. Fertility assessments at, at private clinics, they're very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 400, 500 pounds for, you know, two, two females to do a fertility test or a female and a male to do a fertility test. Um, all sorts. It's, it's very, very expensive. And so people do wait late, later in their IVF journey to, to end up doing that once they've decided on the clinic they're going to um, and they've done all of their research Um, so we do want to make those fertility assessments more accessible to more people
1: amazing so it sounds like you know you're almost like a partner in this journey from the very beginning if indeed you qualify, I wonder if like some people listening, you know, they might put all their information in and, and find out that they don't actually qualify, which would obviously be quite disappointing if you sort of thought, oh, wow, like this is an amazing solution. And I found this great solution and you've put all your info in and then you find out you don't qualify. Do you have any advice to those people who, who
2: maybe feel a bit disappointed? Absolutely. I would say that we are a new company. Um, uh- We are the first of our kind and we are constantly working on improving our plans for more people. This is only the beginning of Gaia. This is only the beginning of how we design our plans and what eligibility criteria we have. And every person that comes to us, uh, we want to make sure that they know that this is that we're a work in progress and we're, we're we're collecting more information to improve our predictions, to also work with our insurance underwriters to improve our eligibility criteria um, just because we may not be able to offer you a plan by no means means that we you are not able to go through IVF or your chances are won't be good enough to have a child that is not true at all. It's just that uh, in order for us to even do what we do now, we had to start from somewhere. But I can tell you very wholeheartedly and passionately that I have an amazing team uh, that is constantly working on allowing more people to be able to go through their IVF journey with Gaia and with a Gaia plan.
1: That's so great to know. So just before we bring in Katie and Georgia to tell us about their experiences, where can
2: people find out more info about Gaia? Yeah, so we are on social media. Uh, You can check out our social media account. But I would say really going straight to our website, GaiaFamily.com, is where you'll get the most information about how our plans work and how you can request a quote. Um, It's entirely non-binding to just see what a quote might look like. You can create an account and complete a fertility profile and just see if our Gaia plans are right for you without ever having to pay a single pound.
1: Amazing. Thank you, Lucy. So while you've been talking, we've been watching on on our camera, Katie and Georgia managed to get their beautiful little baby son. He's so cute. He was crying a minute ago and now he seems like he's totally asleep. (laughs) Katie and Georgia, hello. Hi.
0: (laughs) Lovely to meet you both. And you. So tell us a little bit about yourselves and and also maybe how you discovered Gaia. Uh,
3: Yeah, so we're Katie and Georgia. We are a same-sex couple. Uh, We've been married three years and we've got a five-month-old son who's just woken up because I've started talking. So if you hear him screaming, (laughs) my apologies.
0: He's our very special guest.
3: Yeah, guest of honour. We'd always known that we wanted to start a family Unfortunately, a lot of fertility treatment was on hold the first few months when everything was up in the air with corona. But once we started and got into it, we were self-funded. We didn't know about Gaia or Gaia possibly didn't even exist quite then. And unfortunately, we didn't qualify for any NHS treatment. Um, So we knew it was going to have to be a self-funded road for us.
0: So can I jump in for a minute, Katie? Yes. So why were you not eligible for NHS?
3: So that was due to my BMI. Um, right. I think it has to be under 30 for the NHS. and uh, I think I'd have to chop off a leg to reach that goal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so unfair. Yeah. I, I'm just naturally not not going to be there yet and maybe ever our actual ccg did stipulate that same-sex couples could have treatment but yeah it needed to have a bmi of under 30 and i think you needed to have proven that you would self-funded at least a few iuis right um before so they each each area of the nhs has its own sort of loopholes um as it were um or it did back then i know it's it's progressed slightly in the last few years uh but we didn't qualify for anything so that's why we had to go straight into to private
0: and then did you have to do the test of oh, oh my god my brain what is the acronym again it's A-M-H. <laughs> amh it's ingrained in all of your brains but obviously it's not in mine <laughs> yeah. um, i have my own adoption acronyms in my head that <laughs> spin around um but in terms of so when you found that was that good was that because something we've talked about a lot before as well is that thing of, for same-sex couples, which is, I guess, why something like guy is so important as well, is a lot of the time, same-sex couples and queer couples, they go into the IVF journey not ever really realising that they may have fertility issues and that can be quite a shock because mm-hmm. obviously for, for heterosexual couples, they're going through IVF because they've tried quite a few times and it's not worked. Whereas I think like in your case, like a lesbian couple going in and, oh, actually we, I mean, I don't know if this was the case, but for others, there's been cases where you do find that actually you do, you know, you may have fertility issues mm. and that can come as quite a shock. Um, was that the case for you or was your MH? P Q R C H D. <laughs> Fine.
3: <laughs> um, no, you've hit the nail on the head there. Uh, so we had the uh, like an initial consultation, and and the first thing they said was right. You've got to you know check your AMH and all of that stuff, and uh, the the blood test when it came back, um, it was on the lower side of normal, and um, my antral follicle count AFC as well. That was also quite low, which. I remember saying to Georgia at the time like I was like I'm gay not infertile god like I I didn't expect <laughs> that to be an issue yeah. so I think a lot of people and, and especially you know queer couples like they don't they don't think about it until they get to that point of maybe trying for a baby and or even you know straight couples like young women who don't have children on their mind you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think about it like I'd never known what any of these things were before. And had you considered
1: any other routes to parenthood? Because, Georgia, I know you've got a really interesting job, haven't you? You work with foster kids.
4: Yeah, so I'm a residential care worker, so I work seven days on, seven days off for... They're essentially the children who can't be fostered for whatever reason, usually behaviour-based. Wow. Wow. So wow. did you? So, <laughs> I think Stuart and I are going to ask the same question. Did yeah, you, you consider?
1: Did you consider fostering?
4: We actually discussed fostering before I started this job. It's something we've both been really interested in, just to help mm-hmm. the kids. Yeah, we not started necessarily so that they would be our children, but mainly just to help the thousands of children that are in crisis and do need help. Mm. I guess you also feel like
1: that's your job, like you're essentially a foster carer for your yeah. Work. Yeah. So
0: Yeah. So you made the decision, you were going down that road, you started investigating your fertility, et cetera. So then at what point did you discover Gaia and where you know, what was that journey like for you?
3: So we did um two and a half IUIs, uh, which is the intra something insemination. Intrauterine. uterine. Uh, yeah. Insemination. Yes, the medical version of a turkey baster, basically. <laughs> um, and we, so the first round we were unsuccessful. Uh, the second round uh, got cancelled halfway through because I had an ovarian cyst from the medication, the previous one. And then our our third attempt, we were lucky enough to get pregnant, uh, but unfortunately, I had a miscarriage at ten weeks. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's Thank you. horrible. Mm. It is, and it's something that's completely took us by surprise. Like mm. again, you don't know know a lot about miscarriage until it happens to you, and it's it's not something mm. that's spoken about. I remember the nurse saying to me, "Oh, go home and it, just expect like a heavy period." And wow, it's it's nothing like that. And obviously, because no. of Corona. I found out alone, Georgia wasn't allowed in the hospital with me. So. Oh, you poor thing. It really was horrid. Like I had to call her and just, and then I had to drive myself home and just, it was just awful, but oh, it's such really a, traumatic. yeah, it's such a loss, isn't it? And a grief yeah. mm. and it's sort of, can,
1: you know, the way yeah. it's talked about is just like this kind of straightforward medical procedure, but it's, it's so much more than that.
3: Mm. I think especially with couples that, have gone through fertility treatment i know like loss is hard for anybody but when you've gone through fertility treatment it's almost like this extra sting like because you're Mm. you're one you're aware you're pregnant so early like if you've gone through treatment you you you're looking for it you know you you find out Mm. at three four weeks or whatever and then it's just you know the money, <laughs> yeah. yeah. everything. Yeah, literally, you, you're just like, oh, it's so painful. But um, yeah. yeah, after after that, obviously, we took a little a little break to, yeah. you know, recover. Did you do any therapy
1: or what did you do for any anyone listening that's maybe gone through miscarriage or going through it at the moment? Do you have any advice for things that helped you? Do you know the
3: the best thing? for Like, I took some time off work. I got I got I got signed off work for for two weeks. Um. We actually went away. We have a camper van, and we went away. We did the North Coast 500 in Scotland, and we just reset a little bit. We, you know, we mm. took the pressure off ourselves. we had been so gung ho with fertility treatment, like one after the other, like thinking of sperm, thinking of this, thinking of money, thinking of this, and we just, you know, stopped and had a little yeah breather and allowed ourselves to to grieve and stuff.
0: Because in terms of, like you say, when you're going through fertility and you have something like a miscarriage, obviously, when you then decide, and if you one decides to go into the uh, try again, obviously, there's so much pressure involved in trying to have a baby. I feel did that just add to it? I guess tenfold. Yeah, because of what you'd been through.
3: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Pregnancy as well after loss is just. A different ball game. Like it's mm. Constantly waiting For something bad To happen Even Up until I had him He was You know Born And on my chest I was I was like What if Something stops? What, mm. You know What if What if What if Totally know What you mean Yeah
1: So okay You had your um, Camp van Road trip And you Kind of You know Had your time to grieve And then you were Ready to get back on the fertility bus so to speak and I suppose that's when you came across Gaia and and did that feel like a good option for you where were you at sort of financially and mental health wise with the whole IVF experience when you did
3: discover Gaia? So we had reached the point where we were like let's not try any more IUIs because d- donor sperm is in itself is so expensive mm-hmm. so IUI is the cheaper option but not necessarily when you're a same sex couple. And you need four. to keep buying the sperm. Keep buying yeah. sperm. It makes it kind of not for us financially viable to keep going. Yeah. We'd spent all of our money <laughs> and we thought, well, we're, we're going to have to move on to IVF. For us, it makes more sense. You've got, you know, potentially more of a chance to create multiple embryos, you know, if you're using donor sperm that, you know, one may potentially make siblings rather than just one shot at at IUI. But we knew that there wasn't a hope in health that we could afford it. Um, so we'd looked at loads of things, didn't we? We we looked at, like, mortgaging the house. We, we considered asking, you know, friends and family if they could help us out. You know, none of these situations are ideal. And I saw an ad on Facebook, like a, like a promoted ad because, you know, Technology always listens to you and all of them. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, oh, a new, the new affordable way to pay for IVF. And I was like, well, isn't that convenient? <laughs> and I clicked on it and I did the, the fertility assessment that, that Lucy mentioned and I entered all my details. And it came back, you know, you, we, we we advise that you'll get pregnant within this many rounds, etc. You've got an, an X amount of percentage chance of, of success, blah, blah, blah. Shall we book you in a call? And I was like, yeah, cool, fine, whatever. And I remember thinking to myself, this is this can't be right. This has got to be like a con. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's far too good to be true. And then I had actually my first call with Lucy and she explained it. And, you know, obviously speaking to a real life person rather than just an online form. And she was explaining it to me. And I think I even grilled her. I was like, what's the catch? Like, why? Like, this can't be real. But she talked me through everything, and uh, yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. With with Guy, we were like, "Yep, that's definitely the best decision for us because we don't have to sell a kidney on the black market anymore." You know, <laughs> amazing. And um, did you were you able to just pay for one
1: round of IVF, or did you have to commit to the amount of rounds of IVF that they
3: predict it's going to take? So we just paid for, for the the one up front. So the insurance, they would have insured you for, I, th- I think ours was like four rounds or something, so they would have insured us for four rounds, but we only paid the upfront cost for, like, we were lucky enough to fall pregnant on our first go, so we paid the percentage of that round and then, yeah, had him. So Aww. Amazing.
0: Yeah, it seems like such a fair, like, interesting way to do things it's unlike most things in life it feels almost dare I say humane <laughs> like the, way yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> the way it's kind of structured and you mentioned the four rounds and, and Lucy is still with us like what happens if you want to have more rounds and what if you want to keep going does it just like roll on or does it change or what would happen is
2: if you finish the end of your rounds and do not have a child you would not have paid for those rounds and you can re for a Gaia plan um, so there are situations where you can be offered another however many rounds of IVF that our predictive model can can ensure for. But um, yes, absolutely, you can reapply. There's no cutoff, um, but you would then not have had to pay for the previous rounds that you went through.
1: And Georgia, as the, um, I guess, other mother, to use the uh, phrase that Jen Brister, one of our friends of the show coined um what was this experience like for you as the person that wasn't going through all of the kind of tests and the pregnancy yourself
4: I struggled in the pregnancy like I know he's my child he will love me but there is a part of the pregnancy where I was like he's not linked to me biologically like I go away for seven days so I'm like he's so young Is he going to forget who I am because we don't have that link? Like, Mm. part of me, even now, is like, does he think I'm just like a distant relative that (laughs) comes back every now and then? Like, and I know it sounds silly, but it's like, yeah.
0: I don't think it sounds silly. I think that. I think you're perfectly valid to think those feelings, whether they're true or not. I'm, you know, yeah. <laughs> I I don't think they are because obviously you're his. What do you call yourselves? Who's? What do you?
3: Mummy and mama.
0: Okay, so you're mama. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure he misses his mama. And how are you how are you finding it? Like how are you adjusting now that he is here? And especially with the seven days away, because that's quite an intensive, you know, thing for both of you, really. Like, and you know, has there been any surprises, etc. <laughs>
3: No, I I think we manage it very well considering like both sides of it have got their struggles. You're away from him for a week and I'm solo oh. parenting him and three dogs
0: and a tortoise, but
3: by, <laughs> by myself. <Okay. laughs> Hopefully the tortoise
0: is the tortoise still in hibernation though?
3: He's he, so he hasn't been hibernated. We we rescued oh. him when he was like ten years old and they'd never hibernated him. So I'm a bit scared to try oh, it. Wow. Like I don't wanna Accidentally oh kill a tortoise.
0: I uh, feel like we need a whole separate episode on, on the tortoise. Care. Yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> we can do yeah. that. That's fine. <laughs> Anytime.
3: time. <laughs> so yeah, I think they they both both sides sort of have their own struggles, but for for the most part, we we make it work. And we you know we've said before, if you had a regular you know desk job or whatever, you would probably spend less time. We'd spend less time together as a family because. It'd only be sort of evenings and weekends, whereas this way you're technically, you know, you're working half the year, if that makes sense. You know, you get a whole chunk of time
0: off with him. That's a nice way of looking at it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And Georgia, like, I just
1: want to give you a bit of advice as somebody that's in your position and is four years further down the line than you. Like, I, I felt those things. And as your child gets older, you Bond with your child more and more. It is hard when they're babies because there's not much else to go on. You know, you can't have a chat. You can't tell them about yourselves and your family. You, you're kind of limited in what your role can be, but it just gets better and better and easier and easier. And you will have the most amazing relationship with that little boy that's just yours. And it will feel different, Katie's, and it will feel really special and lovely. And you've just got to trust that that will come in time and and enjoy this moment as well and don't try not to worry about those things because it does get better honestly thank you Uh, so thank you both so much for joining us so katie and georgia they have had the first gaia baby i hopefully his middle name is gaia and maybe the next one (laughs) but katie georgia and lucy from gaia again thank you all so much for joining us and for telling us a bit more about what gaia is and then what it's like to actually go through the service and if listeners you've got any questions for katie and georgia or for lucy i'm sure you can get in touch with the show and we will pass them on and and they will get in touch with you so thank you both so much thank you thank you thank you thank you Okay, so as this is our special IVF episode and Stu's head is now swimming with AMH and IVF (laughs) and all sorts of other acronyms. Oh my God,
0: combining IVF acronyms with adoption acronyms, my brain, (laughs) although to be honest, it's been so long since I've done any, it's been so long since I've adopted a child that I feel like I've forgotten all of those as well, to be honest.
1: Well, we were talking about IVF this this episode and so I wanted to bring to our little cultural chit chat that we've taken to doing at the end of the show. I wanted to bring... um, some IVF-related queer parenting cultural experiences. And the first thing is something that I forced. You're not going to bring up
0: the L word again, are you? Uh,
1: we I could talk to the L about the L word until the cows come home. And actually, myself and our producer, Karis... Have had a nice chat about the L word, um, and I so I feel satiated on my L word chat. But listener, if you... <laughs> did you see
0: my eyes gloss over, gloss over? Yeah, when you I were did. Having that chat, chatting. I was just like, mm.
1: you'd love it. I think you'd get into it. Um, I think
0: I would, of course I would. I love the lesbians. Of course,
1: you I would. um, you met your husband in Candy Bar, so I feel like I you're did. an honorary I lesbian. Did.
0: So honestly, I need like a badge or something, right? Yeah, of honour.
1: But listener, um, if you have watched the latest series of the L word Generation Q, then you'll know that IVF and fertility treatment um, is quite a strong storyline in it and there's this I mean I won't spoil it but there is quite an unbelievable scene I feel between one character who's a trans man and his um, fiance and they've ordered some sperm and it arrives in a canister and something happens that I just think if you'd done that it just would never have happened so Let's discuss. Let's take this offline. Actually, I have I forced Stu to watch something else, um, which was... You did. Uh, tell us, Stu, what did,
0: I, what did I force you to watch as your homework? So Lottie said, right, for this episode, I want to have a chat to you about this series, Master of None, and in particular this episode. And I was like, oh, Lottie, can you just tell me what happens and then we can talk about it? Do I need to watch it? And she's like, in caps, watch this episode on Netflix, please. But then I had to, I'm watching like seriously. And so I sat down with John last night, my husband, and... and he's like what is this like, I don't know and we're watching series three episode four so I have no idea what's going on at all I don't know who these people are and he's like what's going on I'm like, I don't know but actually I'm very glad you made me watch it because it's a beautiful it was a be- a it was a beautiful episode and b I've now added the main series onto my um onto my watch list and I'm going to go back and start from the beginning and you're right this particular episode you made me watch was um like almost like an anthology episode where it was kind of standalone and it was perfect just to watch. So why did you make me want to watch it, Lottie?
1: Well, it's um, a really amazing piece of television and it is probably the most accurate on-screen depiction of IVF experience that I have ever seen on television. And it gets so many details right from the relationship that you have with your nurse to... Just the feelings of disappointment and the moment that a phone rings, and you know it's the clinic, and just the anxiety of like picking up the phone and hearing from the tone of someone's voice what news they're going to deliver you. Um, mm. It's just, listener, if you are in any way thinking about IVF, and it does, I won't spoil it, but it's not a total Debbie Downer of an episode, is it? Like it's. No,
0: it's not. It's very, it, it's, and it's beautifully shot. And Naomi Aki is the main character throughout the actress, Naomi, who I adore. Name drop, I got to work with her a bit on Star Wars when she was in Star Wars. And yeah, it's just beautiful. And like I said, it's made me want to go back and watch the rest of the series. Although I believe the rest of the series is a bit wider than just her character, right? It's not just her and it's... It's the couple. it's, It's the
1: couple for the whole series.
0: No, I loved it. Thank you for recommending it a lot because actually I really thought it was a beautiful piece of television, as I did say. Lottie we've had like this has been such an interesting chat today like with Gaia we've been schooled we have and again I feel like I've like injected my brain with even more IVF mm. lesbian knowledge it's <laughs> been a very like uh, the
1: injection pun there a little <laughs> IVF joke oh yeah very good. just
0: wasn't wasn't even thinking of that um but I think we've run out of time to do a problem shared so should we save it for next week
1: let's save it yeah let's save it Thank you so much for listening. Um, This has been
0: From Gay to Z. I have been Lottie Jeffs. And I have been Stu Oakley. And don't forget, if you like this episode please do share it. Yes, a
1: personal recommendation from you is so valuable and helps us reach new listeners. So rate and review it in your podcast player, please. And if you want to get in touch and if you want to find out any more about Gaia or lovely Katie and Georgia who had the first baby from using Gaia's services, then do get in touch with us. Lottie and at gmail.com. Just spell our names right and you won't have a problem. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Thank you. And we'll put loads of info in the show notes and also we'll tag all of these Wonderful people at our Instagram page, which is at from gay2z. Bye bye. Ta ta.